Good Monday, Samantha. Welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. Please here with Samantha Tradelius, as always. Sister, how are you? How is the world? How is the world attempting to get you down this week yet failing? It's not. It's not getting me down because I'm not here for that. Okay. I've got my power black blazer on, which is strictly business in the front. And then it has a rhinestone skull in the back, which is kind of who I feel like I am. I mean, business in the front, scary in the back. That's like what's when you, going when on. You, when you turn around and leave, it's a little bit of a fuck you as you walk away. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly like that. what it is. And that's exactly the energy I'm putting out there. So here I am. And I'm very excited about today because we have a pretty big heavy hitter with us today. I, anytime you get anyone who has gone through an election and been elected to anything, like I, I, I don't, I think I got elected to like fourth grade student council once, but um, beyond that, I don't know. But we have with us Rachel Kurtz. Rachel, how are you? Good. Nice to see Rachel, you. Rachel, for those of you who don't know, is on the San Rafael City Council, uh, representative of District 4, North San Rafael. Correct? Right. Terra Linda area, Montmoran, San Rafael Park. Not, I have a lot of friends that live up there. You are the representative of a whole crew of mine. Great. Great. Um, so thank you for joining us. This is exciting because um, I think we're all, uh, God, we've all become hypersensitive to everything political, be it national or local level. Um, I myself have great respect for anyone who throws their hat in the ring to do it because honestly, from my chair, it looks like um, a rewarding, but yet shitty job. So tell me a little bit about how, I mean, you, you got to really put yourself out there. I, I told Samantha, I said, this is the one job outside of like NFL quarterback that everyone sits there on Monday morning, armchair quarterbacking every freaking thing you do. Right. Yeah, they don't have that job. They don't have to deal with the stresses and the pressures and the, the trying to find the happy mediums you do. So um, I know you, you're, You've been in San Rafael for 20 plus years and you kind of came up through as a trustee of the Board of Education, but um, tell us a little bit about what drew you to really throwing your hat in that political ring, uh, especially for those of us that uh, have so much respect for it and probably will never do it. <laughs> well, I think you probably already do. You get, you, everyone does it at one level or another. Um, I just do it on hyper. Um, hyper level because it's like I was that person all the way through volunteering at the preschool and at the school or whatever it is I like to do it my way and so um, <laughs> it's Rachel's way or Rachel's other way right and so I really try to get involved where decisions are made um, I want to be at the table where decisions are made whether it's the you know when I, the kids were in elementary school I designed not only just being the room parent, but I did the room parent program, right? For the whole school. So, you know, but I, so I do hyper level of wanting to be engaged. Um, similar to how you started, you know, sort of started the morning and talking, it's, it's, you know, when I ask somebody to bring milk and then they come back and say, what size, what type, organic, not organic, should I, what, you know, all these, I'm like, I'll just get the milk. So, you know, <laughs> this, <I'll, laughs> they're like, no, I really want to help. Like, well, it's okay. You're, you're going to help. I'll, you know, so. Some you can people, open it when I bring it back. <laughs> yeah, just exactly. I will tell you. And some people really come back to me and say, hey, 
I want to be involved, but tell me how to be involved. And I really appreciate that because I can tell people. And for me, I know that I want to be involved at decision-making level. Um, it's tough. I mean, you're right. It, it, you have people who are very, very passionate about what they're passionate about. You never, on the school board, you never meet anyone more passionate than a parent advocating for their child. And I cannot ever question that because we've all, you know, any parent has been there that you're going to advocate for your child. And, but I also then have to wear the policy and the rule hat. And so you have to do this balance. My decision to run for city council was sort of taking that as well. Like there are big issues at the city level and at the county level as you start going up, which are the, still the same issues, but they get bigger in terms of how do we address them. So for me, it's homelessness and it's affordable housing and it's um, housing for not only, you know, renters rights, you know, all these big issues become more and more. Those same issues impacted kids at the school level. And so I knew that, but I couldn't make the changes at the school level. So I'm like, okay, where do you make those real foundational changes at city council? And then I get to city council. I'm like, okay, well now you make these real changes at the county, you know, so it keeps going. Um, but I think too, um, how hard is it to be a woman like yourself and a little bit of a go-getter like Stace and I can both speak to that too, because we subscribe to that same program mm -hmm. when you can't get things through because there's so much BS and roadblocks and, and resistance with, with, you know, I think people want to do good stuff, but then when it comes down to it, it's really hard to kind of move that, you know, meter, so to speak. So exactly. how, how does that play out for someone like yourself where that's, that doesn't work for you? Well, it, my strategy is really finding a core group of people and it could be men, it could be women, but it's finding and building that consensus with a small group and then building out and building out no matter what the issue is. And so I do a lot of these one-on-one -on -one conversations I drink so much freaking coffee. I mean, it is crazy because I'm always going out. Want to go to coffee? You want to go to coffee? Um, <laughs> so, or go on a walk. Let's go on a walk. So I'm, but I'm having one-on-one -on -one conversations to really understand where people are coming from, under, having them understand where I'm coming from, and then hopefully being able to move something along. Because it is hard. It's hard just to put out that message and say, I want to see change with homelessness. And it's like, okay, yeah, but how do you, how do you get there? How do you navigate that? Those are all like, uh, everything, everything just seems so big right now. Every problem seems so big, whether it's economic issues, homelessness issues, potholes on the road, like um, the, the length of time it takes to get a permit approved, but whatever, everything just seems so heavy and, and just mired in process, right? Like I, I um, was the president of a board of a nonprofit, multi-million dollar um, budget and had a, a board of too many, PS, uh, <laughs> 17 women. And, and you know, getting, getting that train to move one rotation down the track was hard. Um, when you're dealing with that many big issues, like how, and how do you, how do you, you build consensus. I get it. You have a lot of coffee. You're, you're caffeinated up. But at the end of the day, it, it just seems like 
decisions are just far and fleeting. How, how do you, how do you find that satisfaction and being able to get results? Yeah. One of the things, you know, in my professional, when I was working at Autodesk or whether, you know, wherever I was working um, and even in my home life, if I, if it feels really big and overwhelming, like these big things, and they are big, but it's how do we break it down into very, very small pieces? So I was sort of, what was that TV show scandal, right? She's the fixer. Yeah. It sort of was like the Very Washington. Right. Right. So I was the fixer. I get dropped into projects that were going south and just like a crash and burn project and try to bring it back. And the way I bring it back and to make it be successful. And that's why how I approach these these big issues is let's break it down into something really tangible and really small and take little, little steps and celebrate those successes along the way. Um, because you can't just say, you know, homeless and housing, just make it work. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, just, it, just it, it, you just kind of throw your hands up in the air and go, I, I don't, I don't know how, what are we going to do? Like, right. I don't know. It just, and my, uh, my thing is, you know, bring the right people around the table um, and, and have to, you bring lots of voices around the table. I was talking to somebody this weekend and she said, do you think we'd be in the same situation if there were women in more women leaders in Europe, in uh, Russia and Ukraine? Good question. Wait, what was your answer? No, of course, <laughs> of course we wouldn't be here. No, they would have sat at a table that wasn't 10 feet long and, and, and put each other on opposite ends. They probably would have gone for coffee. They probably would have had coffee. Coffee and a walk, right? Let's figure this out. What do you need? What do you want? Where are you coming from? Whatever it is, because I think that's what women do bring to the table. I mean, I have definitely always had the reputation of, you know, you know, in the male world of working, you know, it was the bull in the china shop. Well, you never say that to a man, right? No. You never say bull to a china, bull in the china shop. And so I'm like, uh, is that because I get stuff done? Is that because I'm direct and I'm honest? Is that because I don't take your bullshit? Right? Right. Well, a woman I think a- too, it's like, it's incredibly easy for people to throw shade. And I just had a little situation this week where somebody said some stupid shit about me. And, you know, it's like when you put yourself out there in these public situations, you know, and I wonder too, like, how does that affect you? Like when people do talk shit about your performance or what your group is doing or what the, you know, whatever the vote is, because being in your role as an elected person, I mean, it, there's some definite mudslinging that goes on and it could be probably pretty nasty and hurtful, but yet those are the same people that are like sitting at home doing nothing, just bitching because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how do you thicken your skin? And like, how does someone in your seat deal with that? Doesn't, can't you tell I'm Teflon? I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> I am, and it's funny, I did a personality thing with my group of council members. And then the one thing that came up was Rachel doesn't get, um, doesn't take things personally. Like it really, because I think it's because I really get focused on where we need to get to. And so you can say, and, 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 do things and, and, and I know it's coming from probably a place of passion and, and I get that. And so you can say stuff to me and it doesn't hurt my feelings. And it always, you know, I always tell people just spit it out. We will get there. 
Mm-hmm. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I, because people will call me after a council meeting and like, are you okay? <laughs> you know, do you need to cry? I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> no, that's not me. I'm not. I mean, I, I do have feelings. I know I do have feelings, but I'm able to separate that and I'm okay with that. When you have your, your, you know, tenure with all the different things you've been doing has probably helped to kind of thicken that skin a little bit because it's, it's, you know, it's one thing to say, like, it doesn't bother me. It's water off my back. But at the end of the day, like you are a woman, you are human. And, you know, every now and again, when someone says something stupid, it, it, it stings a bit. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) I, I big thing for me, honesty and trust and accountability. If people don't come through on those areas for me, I never forget. I'll move forward with you, but I never forget. Um, (laughs) And so those are big cornerstones for me. And I like, I get it. I hear you. I understand that you're not going to do that to me again. What did your, uh, when you, you, when you made the decision to run for city council, what did your family say? Oh, (laughs) 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 well, my kids are a little bit older, so I'm, I have a, 22 23 and a 20 year old so so they're like whatever they're so used to me being that volunteer person um constantly and my husband's really supportive but we're definitely clear about what how much he's going to be involved in what I do Mm -hmm. and I've made it clear that this is really important to me but I have my 10 golden tickets and my 10 golden tickets are where I get to use a ticket every year, every, you know, for the year I have 10 and where he gets to go, gets to go, gets to, <laughs> he comes with me and acts like he wants to be there. And so um, I use a golden ticket. And so I just like, I know this is not your first choice of wanting to be at a political event or wherever we're at. Um, but I really would like to have you by my side and he'll go. I and love so, that 10 golden ticket because I can't tell I you know, I, I think how many times. That. Please. Yeah. How many times I, I have to go do stuff he for my kids I don't want to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. He printed them out and he said, you know, here are your golden tickets. Oh, and- literally he gives you like a physical and you have to cash it in. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're a little over a quarter into the year. Uh, how many of you used so far this year? I haven't. I'm saving Oh, stocking them up. I like mm-hmm. it. Because everything's been Zoom. Like that doesn't count. So, oh, no. <laughs> so now uh, the term that you're sitting on now is up when 24, 24. So when do you have to start? Like, I find this whole campaigning thing, like completely fascinating. When do you have to start your, you know, your method? And then the other thing I want to know is like, when people donate money to a campaign, what does that money do? Like, where does it go? How is it helping you? And all that good stuff. Cause that's a question I always wonder. So it has been, it's hard for me. I'm not a good person asking. I mean, I'm good at sales and I'm good about asking money for other things. It's hard to ask money for myself. And so I've been, I've been told you tell people you would like their support because it goes to um, you being able to represent them and be their voice. And you want to have someone be on your council and be your voice at the table. And so I need your support. So when donations come through, um, they go towards primarily a lot of the materials you see um, in terms of like mailings, going out and promoting, you know, talking to people, going, having events 
It can go towards having events to support that, to talk to more people. So the money is only used for that and those purposes. And also using, you know, we do use campaign consultants, um, you know, thank goodness, because they know how to work the strategies on how to, when you have contested elections and every single time I've run, I've had contested elections, which are exhausting, um, but also really important because you talk to people in the community um, and explain and, and explain like why, you know, people go around and steal yard signs. Like, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> caught on video. So even. And I'm just like, they're like, so I got, you know, people calling me and telling me that their yard sign was stolen. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to actually take that as a compliment. You know, it's like. <laughs> so, and let me bring you a new one, stat. Exactly. And that's what I did. We just kept, you know, but it's like, it's, it was, it was, campaigns are tricky and those donations are super important. And as far as the process goes, the real campaign really happens about six months before the election because no one remembers shit. No one remembers what they had for breakfast yesterday. So, I mean, they don't know you from if you really started, <laughs> right? If they really, if you really started now, but I feel like my work is all the way through. It's not really campaigning, but it's my job as what I want to go out and talk to people and meet people. And, and the hard one is to meet people who, the people who want to talk to me, they know how to reach me. Mm -hmm. Right. But I need to go out to the people who don't know how to reach me and be, you know, reach out to that group and talk to those moms who are shopping at Safeway and say, Hey, do you live in the area? Do you know I'm your council member or, you know, what's going on with you? What's working? What's not working? Um, you know, and we hear the issues about rents and evictions and access to Wi-Fi. Um, so, so those really important issues, and I need to be able to represent that. So when you ran for the seat that you're in now, which you moved into in 2020, mm -hmm. um, did you unseat somebody or did the person who had your seat before decide not to run again? Nope, I unseated somebody. I unseated so, How awkward, well, awkward. I'm going to use that word, but bear with me. How awkward is it to go around and talk about how um, this person is doing a shitty job and I'm going to do better? Like, that just fails. I, you know, I mean, a lot of us say it sort of passively aggressively at work, but like, you have to go out loud and be like, this person isn't doing right by you and here's why. Like, I don't know. That just seems, um, that seems hard. It is hard and it depends on who the incumbent is. So John Gamblin was the incumbent and um, he and I, my message was, we just have different approaches. We have different approaches in the community. And, and he was honestly the first person to call me and congratulate me after the election. Good. Solid. Right? Nice guy, solid, committed. And, you know, he was the incumbent. And one of the things they tell you is, you know, incumbents definitely have a leg in and a leg up in an election, but not always. You're about to find that out, sister. <laughs> so, so, and I worked really hard. I went, you know, I know a lot of people in the community. I talked to a lot of people. I did not raise a lot of money, but I talked to a lot of people and I was running during COVID and I was, you know, cause it was 2020. And so I was doing, I was doing Zoom conversations all the time and taking my dog for a walk in the neighborhood 
and anyone who would talk to me and reach out and I'd meet their friends and what's on your mind? What Little, what little six feet apart campaigning. Absolutely. But how cool to be able to like actually campaign in the middle of the pandemic and not really have, you know, here you are a woman going up against a man. How long had he been in that seat? Two men. Two men. And how long had they been in this, those seats? He was, he was, a, John was originally appointed and then no one ran for against him the first round. And so this time I um, ran against him. So he had been there, I think six years. Yeah. So here you are coming in hot, you know, and it's the middle of a pandemic. So you can't have any of the normal, you know, right. events and all the fanfare and all that. And, and you did it right. And you did it and you stepped in and you've been making a difference. Tell us some of uh, some of the things that you've been able to accomplish in the last two years or 18 months. 18, yeah. You know, there we're making changes around policy. So one of the ones that I'm excited about that's going to be coming forward um, at a, our next um, council meeting on the 17th is, again, there are laws, right? There are ordinances, but, and it seems so basic, but you, if you don't have a law around it, you can't tell people like this is a problem. You can't arrest people if it becomes an issue. So you actually need we, to have- We can't just have gentlemen's agreements about shit? Right, exactly. Like, oh. hey, dude, get out of there. So this is about, you can't smoke in open space. Hmm. Like, right? It's a big deal. And you would think, duh, but there hasn't been a law around it. So, so that ordinance is gonna be coming forward and I hope the council supports that. Um, the- Obviously, we've been focused really a lot on economic recovery. So all those decisions around like parklets outside at the restaurants, those are all decisions the council has to make because it impacts not only the restaurant and the community, it looks like it's, oh, it's just a simple little thing. But there's also the other side is we have to look at those businesses. We've taken away their parking spaces. So these are non-restaurants who would like a place for their people to park. Right. And yeah. then now looking forward, like how do we support these parklets, which people now really love, right? Have gotten really used to having the parklets, but what does that mean going forward? So those I are love a parklet great. just as a consumer. I think it's fantastic. Right. Right. I think they're really great, but there's I, I like it, but if we're going to keep them long-term, I, I, can we make them kind of pretty like the plywood ones? I'm like, well, mm, really? I mean, Come on, Samantha. We sat in one that was a, a safari tent for all practical purposes. We actually did right. sit in a safari tent and have like a, a pricey meal, and it was like, okay, let's let's up it, let's up the game. Like, a, like an right. army green tarp on top of plywood. I was like, if we're gonna do this, let's do it nice. But that's, and that's exactly it. And, and then the question is, does that become the extension of the restaurant? Is that yeah. their restaurant has their square footage of the restaurant? And are you going to tax on that? Good question. I mean, <laughs> but then so, you also, I think, have to take into consideration too, you know, where these businesses have been for the last 18 months and like how many of them, you know, there's like, it's like this double-edged sword because exactly. you want to capitalize on the revenue, but at the same time, like they're just catching up. Right. Right. And, and, and so my, so there's that economic recovery that we're working on and trying to move those small steps forward. There's, there's in the, this world, things don't happen really like overnight. Like there's a totally different world from Monday to Tuesday, you know, it doesn't work that way. They're really slow incremental changes mm -hmm. um, that you look back. 
So one of the things that we're, you know, working on is, you know, safety around the, the streets. We do talk about sidewalks. We do talk about safety stuff. Well, the just had a meeting last week around Freitas, the, you know, that crazy ass intersection when you come off 101 to Freitas and it's this weird, you can go. Oh, and right, there's no go, stop sign if you're going onto the frontage, but the people with stop signs don't really know there isn't a stop it's sign. Insane. So it's insane. It's insane. Just to make sure you don't die. Right. Yeah. So everyone's doing, you know, people stop and I'm like, oh my God, you're going to get hit by the next person. And you're like, it's crazy. So the, the proposal from Caltrans is to put in a roundabout up there. Oh, it yeah. still doesn't change everything, right? You're still coming off the freeway, but you're going to be in a roundabout. And so there's things we need to work through there, but those are changes that we need to look at. Is everything going to be bike friendly? Probably not. Do we need to accommodate for bikes in other areas? Yes. Right. There's so many things to think about. Can every, I just say that every, more things would be bike friendly if bikers would follow the rules of the road, like cars have to. I'm just I'm just gonna put that out there. If yep, they would yep. go the right way on one-way streets, if they would stop at stop signs, it would probably be a more bike-friendly world. That's it. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm off my soapbox now on that. Okay, next topic. So, and then homelessness is, is a big one for me is, and I've been part of working um, with the homeless community since before school board, before city council. So that's a real near and dear topic for me is working with the homeless community. And San Rafael has done, I'm really proud of the work that we've done um, with the homeless community that we have, we have our area, we've called service support area, the SSA, and we have dedicated um People from not, we have outside partnerships with community agencies like Homeward Bound and Ritter Center and St. Vincent's, but also with the San Rafael Police Department. And we have a number of the members of the police department who've established very, very close relationships with the homeless community. And through that process, we've been able to move a number of people through a very hard, long process to get housing. And some people are, it's really straightforward and easy and others will take one step forward and four steps back. And we continue to work with them on how to move forward to be able to get to housing because that's the goal. But I'm really of the, of the camp, it's not a good word to use, really of the camp that you go from homeless, you establish these relationships and then hopefully you get, you establish that trust to establish interim housing so even, even moving into the SSA area is a big step for some people who have been living outside in the elements, but that's the only place they feel safe. So now they're going into an enclosed area and then hopefully to work with them to go to housing. So our first step is around providing dignity and compassion and care. And the police department has really done a lot of that work with so many different partners. Um, and we're having a lot of, we're seeing success of getting people into housing. And Which so is amazing. It's amazing. And it's a subject that people don't want to talk about. They don't want to deal with, they don't want to see it, but guess what guys it's here and it's, it's all here. over. And to be able to say, Hey, I'm making a difference in that way. That, that, that's a big deal. And I think you should be really proud of that. Thank you. Thank you. We're it proud is of you. Thank you. It is really neat. And they each have individual stories. Like one person is going to be dealing with PTSD and another person's dealing with, they just got evicted. 
you know, and it, it's like they all have individual stories. So the plan has to be different for each one. There isn't a, oh, just here, fix it like this. It doesn't work. And what did we, what did we find when we talked to Chandra? What was it? The median, like if you're living under, I think 120,000 in Marin County or something, you're considered yeah, poverty, poverty level. For yeah. a family of four, I think it was. A family of four. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's some pretty incredible numbers. And I think a lot of people kind of fit into that bracket and, you know, we're on the cusp of that homelessness, frighteningly. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. So. It's very tenuous. I mean, and it's one kid being sick or, you know, some problem and yeah, they're just, they're living in their cars. So I have, we have what, just about a minute left. And I want to ask when things come across the council's floor, are they issues that have been come they come from the community or are they issues that are just like ongoing you know infrastructure like how do things get on the agenda it's both i mm-hmm. mean it could be coming up from the community like whatever whatever topic of the day is you know could be coming um to get onto the agenda you work through the city manager you work through a council member to say hey we really need to find out more about this and and discuss it um some things are infrastructure like buildings, right? A lot of a lot of the work we're doing right now is around housing and building. What's going to happen at Northgate? What's going to happen with the road here or the freeways? We talk a lot about that, but they go through the formal process of, of coming onto the agenda. The staff for the city, really, we have, you know, amazing support to be able to provide background. So you can't just throw in a topic like, hey, today, can we talk about blah, blah, blah? It's pretty scripted what's going to be happening at the council meeting but we're really open to what is on people's minds. And there's always time for public comment to come and speak. If you have something in on mind that people wanna like, hey, do you know X, Y, Z is a problem around here? We wanna hear it. We definitely I love it. Hear it. I love it. Rachel, you are a badass. And <laughs> I feel a little bit cooler today because now I feel a little bit more in the know on the back side of the I, I kind of wish I lived in District 4 in San Rafael. I feel like I, I should move. move on in. I feel like I need to move. <laughs> move on in. Well, Rachel, thank you for following dreams. Thank you for getting out there and making a difference and actually showing up and doing the work. Um, I know I'm left incredibly inspired today. And for the rest of you out there listening, go out there and be inspired this week.